0: The Prime Minister warning you about relaxing your guard when it comes to COVID-19. This is he, as, as he and his cabinet launched two days of closed-door meetings to discuss the pandemic and how to lead the country through a second wave. Trudeau says the rising case numbers in recent weeks are a reminder that this country is not out of the woods just yet and that no one wants a return to the extreme lockdowns that swept the country when COVID-19 first arrived in the spring.
1: As of January 2nd, Dr. Tam convened a meeting of her counterparts across the provinces to talk about the concern around this uh, this potential uh, virus uh, infection. Throughout the month of January, we had meetings, uh, at, including uh, incident response group meetings, uh, where we looked at the concerns we had and talked about our preparation.
0: And of course, that was uh, the Prime Minister defending Dr. Tam uh, over the weekend and about uh, you know getting the information out to Canadians uh, as soon as possible because there's been qu- questions about that. Now, this Cabinet retreat comes as Parliament is set to resume next week with a speech from the throne. That speech was originally expected to focus on developing a plan to rebuild the economy in a post-pandemic world, but with more cases being reported... It looks like they're going to spend more time on finding ways of protecting the economy and limiting the damage from a second wave. One of the topics that has come up quite a bit as well is a guaranteed basic Income. Uh, To talk about all of this, we welcome back to the show Dr. Lydia Miljohn. She's a uh, political scientist uh, at the University of Windsor. Welcome back. My pleasure. Nice to to hear your voice. Hope you had a good weekend. All right. So we had been hearing over the past couple of weeks since when Parliament was prorogued that uh, that speech uh, on the 23rd would be about how we're going to get the economy uh, back up and running. And it now seems to be... Switching, um, given the fact that some of these, uh, n- well, some of these numbers are, are going up across the uh, the provinces. Your mind, where's your head at that? With you know, with with the transition, with the move away from the economy plan to f- still focusing on protecting the economy. Is is there a, is there a big separation there for you?
1: Well, I think there they are. Tied somehow um the question is maybe the government figured out that it's not that easy to do both that you know finding finding the money to rebuild the economy is is going to be much more difficult our you know our financial situation is getting worse and there's a lot of demands for increased funding the ndp want a basic personal income um it looks like the liberal party itself wants to put that forward in their policy um, agenda coming up. Um, But the question is, you know, it it sounds good in paper, but how do you pay for it? And I think that's the challenge they are getting. So it might be wise for them politically to lower expectations in the throne speech and make it only about the pandemic and wait to deal with this sort of financial issues when we get closer to a budget or at least a budget update.
0: Yeah. And you know what, though, I wonder, though, if that's going to be uh, damaging for the Liberals, Um, you know, the Aaron O'Toole is going to be um, chomping at the a bit to uh to question on on the plans for recovery and again it's, it's always easy to to criticize when you're when you're not the one in 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 power but i think that there's a lot of canadians out there as well who really want to know what the heck the plan is going to be and so i wonder if that is going to be um it, it's going to cause uh, grief for the liberals
1: yeah i think it is. I think, and part of it is, they were so hasty to prorogue Parliament. You I mean, mm-hmm. Remember that the whole point of having this six-week shutdown, by their words, was that they wanted to have I know, a forward-looking agenda, and they wanted to reset the the pathway moving forward. Now, you know, a week before that throne speech, they're pulling back on mm-hmm. that, which makes us wonder, okay, so what was the point of prorogation? Mm-hmm. I mean, we really didn't need to prorogue to have a throne <laughs> speech to say, oh my God, we're in a pandemic. Yeah. We kind of, like, knew that for the last six months. Um, so then it makes it it seemed like, well, really the only reason for that prorogation was to avoid talking about the we scandal yep. for six weeks. And that didn't work very well for them
0: either. <laughs> there um, has been lots of talk about this guaranteed basic income. It was one of the things that has em- uh, emerged as one of the top policy priorities uh, going into this cabinet retreat. Where's your head at uh, on this? And and you, know, if there is an appetite, appetite for this in the country?
1: You know, I think that there is an appetite for something, um, some sort of support for people who fall between the cracks. And, and we know that, that the CERB was actually quite effective in sh- ensuring that people able to keep their heads above water. I mean, it wasn't the best thing possible, but it allowed for low-income people to not be completely swept away by the pandemic. And so... I think that there's consensus that that was very helpful. The problem is that you have to pay for it somehow, and and whenever you have these kinds of income supports, you've got to balance. You know, you've got to balance the universality versus the the ability to pay, but also is it going to create a disincentive to work? If if a basic income, which what we had for those last six months, is say 2000 a month, mm. that's more than minimum wage. And so what do you do to the economy? What do you do to the service sector if the government is paying better than those sectors? It just mm. means that you're going to have inflationary pressures on top of things. So those are really important concerns, really important policy trade-offs that they have to decide. I mean, we all want everyone to do well in in life but is a basic income the best way to do it or will it cause more harm than good and then there's i mean i can just throw you i can just throw so much on the (laughs) wall on this one the fact remains that social assistance is a provincial responsibility Uh. so if the federal government steps in and says everyone's got a basic income does that mean the province provinces go either wow you're stepping on our turf or you know what we're done with social assistance, we're gonna yeah. no more welfare, we don't need yeah. to provide that and no more none no more of those supports and so that opens up this whole other can of worms. So it's all well and good for the NDP and say the Liberal Party to say we want to have this as a policy statement, uh, but it's a completely other um, situation to actually implement it and to deal with all these complications.
0: I was going to say, this is not something that you click your heels together, you know, wiggle your nose and it's a done deal. I mean, this you can be in a policy statement, but for it to actually happen, you know, I think we'd be looking years down the road. If you we would. started now. And it now. would require
1: some major negotiations yeah. between the provinces and the federal government.
0: Mm, and that would be interesting as well, given some of the relationships between some of the provinces and the, and the, <laughs> and the federal government as well. You know what, Doctor? It was um, it was interesting, too, leading up to all of this, uh, the Trudeau government talking about uh, this green agenda, which was going to be uh, set to be unveiled in, in this speech uh, as well. Do you think everything... Or, What do you think that we're going to hear on that? I mean, I'm asking you to speculate. Or do you think that that's going to get shelved as well for right now?
1: Well, I think we're going to get, you know, the typical word salad that we get from the Liberals, where they'll say all the right words, but there's not going to be a lot uh, substantive there, and and I think it is because it's so difficult. You know, the the thing about a green recovery or having a green economy requires incredible intervention on the part of the the government. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's one thing if they say we're going to provide a regulatory framework that allows green technology to compete with traditional technology. Okay, that's fine, but what we've seen... In other areas, in Ontario, for example, with the Green Energy Act, is that to move towards a green economy, um, they required massive subsidies in wind and sor- solar uh, energy um, that didn't recoup um, either the the money or the electricity that we needed. The only way we were able to get rid of coal-fired plants wasn't because we dotted our landscape with with wind turbines; it's because we built um, natural gas. Um, gas-fired plants, and that's really what got rid of the the coal-fired plants. And it it cost us, you know. um, When it started, our retail price of electricity was like $0.04 a kilowatt hour, and now it's up to like $0.14 a kilowatt hour. So there are trade-offs and people have to pay for that. So, again, it's, it's all well and good for them to say that yeah, they're going to give us a re- yeah. green recovery, but it's what are the details, and these things cannot be done and even just in one budget or one economic statement or one throw speech They will take a long time to think out and develop. The,
0: um, the One of the things that has been pointed to, and, and obviously COVID-19 uh, shined a, a very bright spotlight on the situation in long-term care facilities uh, across uh, the country during all of this and uh, we are expecting to hear um, about some more funding for health care including these long-term care facilities Um, and I mean this is that's that's just the tip of the iceberg as well I mean there's so much that has to be done on that front Um, and you know they can make all the promises they want but there are certain things that have to get done especially as we have this aging population when you look at where it's going in the next 10 to 20 years
1: challenges are not getting any smaller, that's for sure. And again, this is this is the relationship between the provinces and the federal government. You know, the, the responsibility of long-term care falls on the provinces, and we've seen a lot of provinces mm-hmm. put more funding and more resources into it, and also changing the regulations. We saw that early on in, in British Columbia, where the first um, long-term care home really got hit, was yeah. just the fact that, you know, just the oversight that they pay the workers so low that for them to have a living wage, they have to work in multiple facilities and that just increased the disease vector. So those kinds of issues have to be dealt with both through regulation and also through funding and so it's the extent to which the Federal government will assist the provinces to do those investments to make sure the people are properly compensated, but also to ensure the safety
0: of the people living there. All of this costs money, and if we don't have a plan for economic recovery, um, or you know, in in place, I mean, it just it's it's going to be put on hold for now. Um, if if I had to. I think I ask you this every time. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that crystal ball on the 23rd, is it going to be just another, as you say, word salad, a whole lot of nothing, and then we'll see what plays out in the weeks that, that follow? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on word salad. I'm
1: betting on blah, 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 economy, blah, 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 green, and we're in a crisis, blah, 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 pandemic. And it's not going to tell us much. There's not going to be a lot of details. Uh, again, I think, I'm, I'm being very cynical right now, but I really think that this is just a way to stop the work of the Finance Committee investigating mm. the We Charity scandal. And mm. I think that's really what's going to be the agenda for the next few, few months and weeks, simply because of the latest revelations with the We Charity itself yeah. closing its doors in Canada. Um, uh, the only way I think that the federal government's going to be able to change the channel is if they put out their economic statement and put a little bit more detail to, to a lot of the aspirational things that we've been hearing from them.
0: Dr. Meljohn, always great to talk with you. Thank you for this. My pleasure. Nice talking with you. Take care now. Dr. Lydia John, joining us this afternoon. She's a poli-sci prof at the University of Windsor. So, again, you'll remember, you know, weeks ago we were told that it was going to, you know, it would... outlined the plan for economic recovery and that's what a lot of people were expecting Um, but today and certainly in the past few days as we've been moving into this uh, this retreat this cabinet retreat we've been hearing more and more about the COVID-19 numbers and we are seeing numbers go up across uh, uh, across the country and provinces across the country and so that focus has switched uh, quite a bit Um, and and what they're saying is that we have to find a way to make sure that the economy isn't hurt anymore as we continue to move this, uh, as we continue to move into or move through uh, a second wave. Um, but all of those conversations, all of those topics, all of those ideas that were being floated, especially, you know, things as as basic income, as um, more funding for health care, uh, long term care homes, that sort of thing, um, yeah, as I said, those things all take money and take a lot of money and we're not going to know about the financial situation the details of it until much later they're now saying that the longer term recovery measures won't be revealed until an economic statement later in the fall later in the fall when is that Um, and i know i know from doing this show every day and watching the text line every day that the, one of the biggest questions that I get nonstop is, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to get out of this? What does uh, the economy, what does the future look like for Canadians for the next 5, 10, 20 years? I know you want to know that. I know everybody wants to know that. But again, uh, it's going to be on pause for a little bit longer.